Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Find us on Instagram, Dave Campbell's. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the magazine, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, honestly, I, I say it every week. By this point, you should know how to do it. <laughs> but uh, As always, we've got our good friend Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how you doing, man? Yo, what's up, man? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, well, both of us, of course, last night were at the uh, SMU versus Texas State game. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty to say about that one. Um, look, after last week, uh, we had obviously a lot of fun last Sunday, but we probably don't need to go 45 minutes every single time. So we're going to continue to steal things from our favorite podcast, Podcast Ain't Played Nobody, and we're going to set a 25-minute timer, and we are not going over it. All right, so we're, we're going to make sure and keep this nice and tight. Uh, oh, and apologies for not having a show last Wednesday. We have so much going on right now with the basketball magazine and issues, of course, the basketball managing editor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a secret mission last Wednesday. So, you know, it, it'll all pay off. It'll oh, all yeah. pay off. But, uh, but we just had to step away for a week, unfortunately. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So number 12, still the UTEP Miners. Uh, the, and they had a buy this week. The one thing that I'll say about UTEP, though. Maybe Houston Baptist is just kind of good? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Houston Baptist goes and beats South Dakota on the road. And South Dakota's a, like they're not a great uh FCS team, but they're typically pretty good. Yeah. And they go on the re- the road, beat the 53 to 52 uh Bailey Zappy man. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh man. Uh, 513 yards, five touchdowns. He does have three interceptions, but who cares? Right. He, he scored 53 <laughs> points. You know? Yeah, he's he uh, heading into the year, um, I kept hearing so much about Bailey because his freshman year he started against Texas State and he looked really, really good in his first ever game in a, against an FBS opponent. And then he's just kind of gotten better since then. And kind of seeing, you know, yesterday, obviously the three interceptions you want to see him clean up, but you see the gamer, the gamer in him, right? You see like that type of ability, the ability to lead an offense, you know, going into his what third year now as a starter. Um, you know, you just see kind of the progression over time. And, man, there's one thing that HBU has going for him. It's the quarterback position right now. No doubt. Obviously a Victoria East prospect. And, and I mean, that's the sort of guy that you have to get at Houston Baptist. You yeah. have to get one of those guys who just goes out there, throws the ball around. And if he makes some mistakes, he makes some mistakes. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw with John Copeland last year, obviously, at Incarnate Word. You know, when you just have a guy who can make plays, yep. it just makes such a difference. And... Uh, so, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, this is about as good a bye week as UTEP's going to get. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to number 11. Uh, so, so at the bottom four, I mean, we can go through them kind of quickly, actually. Mm-hmm. Number 11, we have UTSA. They lost 31-13 to Army. Um, and, and then Texas State lost 47-17 to SMU at number 10. Number 9, uh, Rice lost 48-13 to Texas. I didn't actually change any of these this week. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I mean, you could say, well, Texas State looked a little better than Rice did against Texas, but they're playing a worse team. But right. UTSA, you know, I mean, for me, I just almost ignored this week mm-hmm. because all of them just played teams that were way better than them. Yep. And, um, you know, we can talk for a second about Texas State because they did show some stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think Gresh Jensen in that second half showed why he still seems to be the starter. And that defense, man, they look real, real good. Yeah, they just they, eventually they, got gassed. Right. I mean, and they were on the field a whole lot. Yep. And, and that's just kind of 
what happens, you know? And yeah. And the other thing that I noticed was I think you start, I don't know if this is just SMU doing a really good job of of scouting the Wyoming game um, or what, but they really took away the intermediate game for Jensen. And when he didn't have those intermediate routes, the routes over the middle, anything like that, man, he could not hit his deep throws. Um, They were really, they really were forced to just do a lot of, bubble screens and a lot of inside behind the line of scrimmage stuff. It wasn't, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if that's just a limitation of Gresh Jensen as a passer. Um, because later in the second half, I mean, it was garbage time, but Vit was able, you know, he has a stronger arm, right? And so Vit was able to make maybe some of those throws over the middle of the touchdown that they had um, was one of those throws. But I'm wondering if that's something to watch going into conference is our team's going to start to zone in on that intermediate passing game knowing that Jensen probably doesn't have the arm to make the deep throws. And especially if you get pressure in his face, he kind of has a knack to throw off his back foot too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing too, is that I think that he's especially bad making those deep throws when he doesn't have time. Right. Um, you know, if he if he has the time to really step into his throws, I think he can make those deep throws over the top. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other thing too is that SMU is – up there with the best defenses that Tech State will play this year. Oh, for you sure. Know, and, for they, sure. and they have the ability to take away that middle of the field because of their strong safety play, because of their strong linebacker play. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're right. You know, with Jake Spavital, that's the big thing that he does is he gives you these throws that kind of help you make – that help make you feel more comfortable. Right. And when SMU is taking away those opportunities and preventing you from getting into a rhythm, and, and that's something, too, that I think we'll talk about uh, when we talk about Texas Tech, too, uh, who's up next. But, you know, when you take away those sort of easier intermediate throws that keep the ball moving, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it just gets a lot harder. And that's something that great defenses are able to do as well. And SMU, I mean, we'll talk about them later, but they might just also be a great defense at this point. Yep. Uh, yeah, so again, I mean, UTSA, I mean, I wish that they showed a little bit more down the stretch, but whatever, it's Army, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rice, you know, I mean, whatever. It, it was bound to happen that that the, the bottom was just going to fall out uh, on one of these better opponents. Right. And Texas Texas looks real motivated, and we'll get to them later, too. Uh, but moving on to number eight, Texas Tech. This, to me, was overwhelmingly the most disappointing result of the weekend. Uh, Texas Tech loses 28-14 to Arizona on the road. Yeah. This was I kind of I, I kind of came home from the game and this game was on, and geez, like I don't know if it's just maybe Tech getting a, just a, a nice reality check that maybe they're not as great as we thought, or maybe it was just Khalil Tate finally coming to his own in this offense because he, I mean Khalil Tate obviously busted an eighty-four yard run that was just like kind of unfair. I think two Tech defenders had like perfect angles on him and he just sped by them both in, at the third level. Um, Alan Bowman didn't play that great. He threw for a lot of yards, but it didn't really look didn't really look comfortable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what exactly we can take from this game. Maybe it's a little bit of both. That maybe we people were a little bit too high on Tech a little early. Um, you know, so going against a a power five a fellow Power Five program probably brought things down to earth a little bit. So I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, to me, when I look at this game. Uh, 
I, I do think there is a bright spot to take away from this game, and I really think that this Tech defense is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they played at a very high level, and, and same like Texas State, I think that they just got gassed down the stretch. Sure. I think that they just ran out of wind because, you know, you look at that scoreboard, I, I want to say that uh, that 15 points came in the fourth quarter for Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Tech was just kind of reeling at that point. Yeah. Uh, this was an indictment to me of the offense and mm-hmm. of also to a certain extent, the offensive play calling because uh, Alan Bowman threw the ball over 50 times in this game and yeah. he was not good. Right. I mean, throughout the entire game, he was just not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with some, uh, some tech fans on Twitter. And, and one thing that we kind of zoned in on a little bit was, you know, this offense is, it's very run and shoot mm-hmm. right now where, um, where, you know, you are either making those deep downfield throws or, you know, you're kind of just throwing screens. Yeah. And that intermediate passing game just isn't a huge part of this offense. It's sort of dink and dunk down the field. And, you know, if you're Alan Bowman, last year with Cliff Kingsbury, that's a big part of what they do. You know, sort of the dink and dunk, uh, having the 8-yard passes, the 12-yard passes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just helps you gain some rhythm. And that just didn't seem to happen for him yesterday. Um, and, and I also felt like they abandoned the running game way too quickly when they were having some success with Armand Shine. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was just a weird. It, it's weird to watch a game, especially against a defense that's typically been as horrible as Arizona's been under Kevin Sumlin, and feel like the offense is the issue. But I, I really just think that, you know what? If if that's how the offense is going to play, I mean, who are they really going to have a lot of success against in Big Twelve play? Right. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, not to, to pile on, but, I mean, look around the rest of the bottom of the Big 12. You know, there were sort of, you know, a bottom three slash four. We weren't sure necessarily where Tex Tech fit in that, but the other three bottom teams uh, this week, you know, Kansas goes and beats Boston College 48-24, to 24, mm-hmm. and West Virginia goes and beats uh, North Carolina State by 17, and Kansas State might just actually be good because they go on the road and they beat Mississippi State. So... <laughs> All of a sudden, it's like there are no locks on the schedule for Tech. And this was always a rebuilding job. Uh, you know, this was always sort of a, a new identity. But, oh boy, man, it, it's it's going to be a real tough year for Tech if they can't get this offense sorted out. Anyway, moving on to next one, uh, number seven, North Texas. So they lost 23-17 to Cal, um, which... I mean, honestly, like at the end of the day, going on the road against a Power 5 opponent, I think they had a good showing. Sure. Uh, But, you know, I mean, right now their only positive data point at this point is a 20-point win over Abilene Christian. Right. So that's kind of the issue right now when you're looking at North Texas. Yeah, you're kind of... You're kind of in that limbo area where it's like, "Ah, I don't know, what what can you take from the SMU loss, the Cal loss? You know, I, I mean... If I had to say, I'd say the SMU loss is probably the biggest indicator of what this team is, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They're a team that can put up points, but is really going to struggle on defense. Um, and I think I think ACU is kind of an indicator of that as well. Um, they're a team that, if they don't get off to a good start, you know, it might be kind of a cascade effect or avalanche effect. Um, if they do get off to a good start, there's there's a, a uh, problems of keeping the foot on the gas. Um, right. I think it might be a. F- I don't want to take too much from this Cal game, but I mean, Cal's a great defense. So like, I think I think them putting up what was it seventeen isn't yeah. a huge indictment. Um, you know, Wilcox has turned that defense around to be one of the best, definitely one of the best in the Pac-12. So I think there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing really to criticize heavily there. No, well, and I mean, 
I, I'm not going to say by any means that this was a good performance right. by North right. Texas, but like, I, I do think that it's, it's about what you hope to see. Sure. You know, you hope to see them maybe stick in the game. Uh, you hope to see them, you know, I mean, yeah, 17 doesn't sound like a lot of points, but when you're going against, you know, a team that, that lost a game 10-7 in the Cheez-It Bowl last year, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it's not nothing. Yeah. You know, it seriously is not nothing because this is an elite defense. So, um, you know, not a whole lot that we can take from this one, but then again, we don't really know what North Texas is right now. And when they hit Cusa play, it's going to be a lot different, mm-hmm. obviously, and and that's the hope. But first, they got to go through Houston in two weeks, so it, it's only going to get tougher. Uh, and actually, that's a good segue. Number six, uh, moving up, the Houston Cougars. They lost this week 31-24 to number 20 Washington State, but the biggest thing that I can say about this is that Houston looked finally like they belonged on the same field right. with a team that's better than them. Yeah, I was worried. I was. I think all of us were worried that they were going to get blown out the water by Washington State. And I think when you look at Anthony Gordon's numbers, like you're like, okay, there was, you know, 31. Holding those numbers to just 31 points might have been, you know, I don't want to say a great. Might have been. I don't want to say might have been great, but the fact that they were able to put a cap on this offense in a way and then keep pace with them in some capacity as well. Um, I mean, it's got, based on what we've seen from Houston. I mean, it's got to be a positive step, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, after the first quarter, it was 14, seven Houston. Yeah. You know, they got off to a good start. Yep. Um, you know, both of those touchdowns scored by Derek King, a, a passing touchdown to Marcus Stevenson and a rushing score. Uh, and, and again, you know, I mean, third, fourth quarter is really because, uh, sorry, sorry, that was after the second quarter. So mm-hmm. at halftime, it was 14 7. First quarter, they kept them scoreless. Yeah. So, like, you know, I think that that's some pretty good signs for a defense that looked disastrous in the passing game a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to be good by any means, but you take holding them to 49 rushing yards, even if it is a Mike Leach team. Right. You know, and, and you. 489 sounds like a lot of yards but for a Mike Leach team that's not a great day Mm -hmm. and so so I I do think that there's a lot of good signs to take away from this game um I I do still want to see a little bit more from Derek King in the passing game you know he was 13 for 24 for 128 yards but he did have a touchdown they did get him free a couple of times they used him a lot more aggressively in the run game where they rushed for 239 yards and he rushed for 94 and two scores Mm -hmm. uh you know so there's there's something here. You know, I wrote in our five things column that we put out after college games. Uh, you know, they, they finally have a pulse. They kind of look like a little bit more maybe like we thought that they would. Right. Um, it's still, I mean, it's still going to be real tough. I mean, it's still like next up they go at Tulane on Thursday. Then they go at UNT. Then they play Cincy. I mean, it's not going to get a whole lot easier, mm-hmm. but... You know, maybe at least playing a really good Washington State team, maybe finally you're seeing a little bit of why they brought in Dana Holgerson. Next up, uh, Texas A&M, they beat Lamar 62-3. to Not a whole lot we can take from that game. Nope. Um, you know, I mean, if you want to get really critical, I mean, the receivers had a lot of drops in this game, which mm-hmm. was... Definitely a little concerning, but at the end of the day, I mean, they beat Lamar 62-3. to Big whoop. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, number four, the Baylor Bears. They were on a bye this week, and they go to Rice next week. Um, number three, this is this was actually one game that I really wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. TCU. Yeah. So, I know that th- this game didn't necessarily go out of character in any way. I mean, the past game was not good. Nope. They threw for 75 total yards, which is awful. Um, but it was a 34-13 victory. And 
the big takeaway for me, right, is that I knew that TC was going to be good on defense. Mm-hmm. I knew that they were going to struggle in the passing game. I didn't think that they would be able to dominate a team as good as Purdue without being able to pass the ball, but they were able to do it. Sure. Yeah, they've looks like they found two rushers in this game, Darius Anderson and Sewo Alanalua, um, combining for, well, I mean, over 200 yards rushing, almost um, over 250, sorry, yards rushing. And, geez, like, when you look at, I mean, they started Max Duggan, right? Uh, they they alternated. So, D- Delton was the first guy out. Okay, Delton, was, Delton started and they alternated. So, um but yeah, when you look at, I mean, 75 combined yards, 8 of 24, one touchdown, one pick between them both, sacked three times. I mean, like, obviously, you know, that's not great. But the fact that, like you said, they were able to put up these numbers with literally a, the most one-dimensional offense imaginable right now, um, that's got to be a good sign. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the thing is, too, is like, if you can get something from Duggan, right? Sure. Like, if you can get... And, and he, the offense looks better right. with him on the field. It just does. I mean... I, I honestly, it's inconceivable to me that they keep running Delton out there at all. I mean, he just clearly has not been a good player for them. I mean, in fact, last night, one for six, five yards and in an interception. Mm-hmm. I mean, wh- what are you doing? Why are you Why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, and and before you think, oh, okay, well, he must have contributed in the rush game. Three carries for minus three yards. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's and obviously that's sack adjusted, but his longest carry was eight yards. Right. So I, I just. I, I don't know what the plan is here under center. I mean, I know that they hoped that they could trust uh, Delton to kind of be that consistent force, that steadying force in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when your quarterbacks complete a third of their passes combined, I mean, I, I just, it is it is unbelievable to me, honestly, and, that uh, that they were able to dominate this game. Sure. And like, yeah, it's a positive sign, but what happens when you play an offense that's better than Purdue's, which is definitely likely to happen more often than not in the Big 12. And so it's like, yeah, you trust TCU's defense to make things a game, but eventually you're going to have to put up 30-plus with an offense that can put up 40, right? Like, you're going you're to be asked to hang with, I mean, this year what we're seeing from Texas, what we're seeing from Oklahoma, Baylor, Tech. Like, they're going to have to put up, you know, they can't shut down all four of those offenses. Right. Well, and the thing is, too, though, is like, TCU has not done a good job of leading on the run game the past two years or so, right. uh, especially last year. I mean, they, they really have put too much in their quarterback's hands. And the thing that I like about this game is that they rushed the ball 58 times. And that's kind of what you need to see. I mean, Darius Anderson only had 16 carries, but he had 179 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, Alana Lua, 18 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown. So... You know, if you're if you're Sonny Cumbie right now, I know you're an air raid guy or whatever, man. But but the reality is that this is not working. You know, you gotta lean more in that run game, and and that's something that I think that uh, that their co-offensive coordinator Curtis Looper did a good job of integrating at times uh, back in 2017 when Kenny Hill was the quarterback. Yeah. But last year, you know, there was just so much relying on. I mean, it was trying to get the ball to Jalen Rager at the end of the day. That's what it was, mm-hmm. but. Um, but I mean, you just have to find different ways to create opportunities because because this isn't going to cut it. And um, you know, but but I will say, I mean, Jeff Brom and Purdue. I mean, th- this is a good offensive team. Like this isn't yeah. that they're shutting down. You know, Iowa. This is like a really good offensive team. They hold Rondell Moore, maybe the best all-purpose player in the country, to three uh, three receptions for twenty five yards yeah. and one carry for zero yards. I mean, that is. That is crazy stuff. I mean, he does that does not happen to Rondell Moore. It just doesn't. 
uh, you know, we saw over the last couple of years. I mean, he is... He has been phenomenal for them. In fact, just last week against Vanderbilt, 13 catches for 220 yards. And then the week before that, 11 catches for 124 yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. I mean, this does not happen to him. He does not get shut down. So, um, I mean, I think that this, I think that this defense might really be this good. And, and I mean, I think that the big thing when you have a defense that's good is that, you know what, it's, it's probably enough alone to get them to a bowl but if they want to get to big 12 contention like they they got to get a little bit more from that passing attack because they can't they can't trust Darius Anderson to run the ball for 180 yards every single game right uh moving up to number two SMU uh SMU I mean the thing that I was probably most impressed by yesterday was that they dominated that game and I didn't think that they played very well right yeah like I mean, Bichelle played okay, but he had two picks. I'd say below average. You'd say below average? I, I thought he played okay. Yeah. He was hitting his targets. Like, the two picks yeah. or whatever, he was hitting his targets, and then it became apparent that, oh, okay, they can just run the ball because Texas A's defense got gassed. <laughs> and, right. I mean, if you're an SMU fan, and you win a game 47-17, and Bichelle had an average to below average game, and you got three of your rushers to really hit off the mark. Like, come on, Freeman even had averaged about five yards a carry, but of course the show was TJ McDaniel. Um, we knew that come on, Freeman was kind of the guy coming into the season, but Xavier Jones and TJ McDaniel now potentially getting off the mark. Like the fact that you have three options, some of them can be used in the passing game as well on the ground um, to go with Shane Bichelle. So when he has a poor ish game or average game that you can lean on that, like that's that's gigantic for a team that we thought I don't want to say it was one dimensional, but definitely is a you know they're a passing oriented team. But now you have potentially three rushing options that you know beat a very good defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that you know people are going to come away from this game being like, well, you know, cool, but it was against Texas State. But right. Texas State, they're not great on offense right now, but defensively, I mean, they are a very solid unit. Yeah. You know, they act, they really did give A and M some trouble, especially running the ball mm-hmm. in that first game. You know, they did a great job against Wyoming in week two, and if if Jensen doesn't throw an interception, they probably win that game. Right. And and you know, to be able to go out there and run the ball so effectively. Uh, with three different guys, and also even with uh, with James Prochet getting a couple of uh, of fly sweeps and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's impressive. And and the big thing that I think that you can take away about SMU is that you know you mentioned Sunny Dykes teams are usually one dimensional. They usually pass the ball and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And they have the receivers to pass the ball at a high level. And I, I really again I, I expected more from Shane Bouchel. Mm-hmm. I, I really wasn't pleased with his performance, but. At the end of the day, they can do so many other things now that it's... I mean, they can be a good team even when they can't pass the ball effectively and even right. when Shane Bouchel has a bad day. And, you know, for me, too, it's like... I think there's just this perfect match between, you know, Rhett Lashley coming from this spread-running background with Gus Malzahn, mm-hmm. mixing in with that air raid concepts with Sonny Dykes and, and having receivers like Prochet and Robertson mixed in with these great running backs like, uh, like you mentioned, TJ McDaniel, the true freshman, who was absolutely just astonishing. Right. Just, just astonishing. He came out of nowhere. And then obviously Xavier. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Xavier Jones, of course. But, but yeah, let's, let's talk for, you know, we're, we're doing all right on schedule right now. Let's talk for a second about TJ McDaniel. Okay. So, he only had eight carries. Yeah. Eight carries for 159 yards and three touchdowns. Right. It, yeah, he, and, he, I mean, he was good at South Lake Carroll, right? He rushed over 2,000 yards last year, I believe, 2,000 yards. Um, yeah. 
And, you know, he came in and, and people kind of expected him to do some good things at, at SMU. But like you said, it was a slow start to the season for him. Okay, you know, maybe it was... He didn't play. Yeah. He didn't and so play the like, two games. Okay, maybe, you know, maybe it was them trying to get off to a good mark so they're not trying to throw freshmen out there. You know, no big deal. But, God, I don't know where this came from. Like, <laughs> some of the runs he was making, <laughs> like, they were all... Like, it was, let's see, eight carries for 159. Like, he was hit. He had three... All of his, all three of his touchdown runs were, like, long to, interme- you know, to medium gains. Like, you know, 48 was his longest... Uh, I'm trying to find his other touchdowns, but like it was, there were runs that you're like, wait, hold on. They're letting him do that. Like it was runs that you expect come on Freeman or Xavier Jones to do, not the freshman that's bouncing off tacklers. Let's see. 39 yards. uh, We have 48 was his longest and 42 was his other touchdown. And so it's like, again, he was just, he, it wasn't like wide open lanes either. He was bouncing off tacklers, making moves like this. It was a very very impressive game and a uh, good showing for him because i mean obviously being back in dfw for him to have this in front of the home crowd was i mean pretty awesome yeah and I'll, i will tell you uh if you're a fan of tj mcdaniels if you're a fan of south lake carroll uh keep your, your eyes on textbook.com because i will have a story up on him in the coming days there you go. uh and uh and i will say too uh, it was kind of fun for me to see so i was a year younger than cam mcdaniel his older brother who uh-huh. played at notre dame uh-huh. who some may know as the uh what was it the, the photogenic. extremely photogenic yeah. running back <laughs> yep 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 uh so so he was a year ahead of me at coppell then his family moved to Southlake, so so us Coppell kids did not get to enjoy any of that. And <laughs> obviously, he's seven years younger than me, so I don't really, you know, I didn't really follow him at Coppell anyway. But <laughs> but you know, he's a big time player, and uh, yeah, he, he said a lot of interesting things after the game about why he picked SMU and and you know why he didn't expect to play. I mean, he really didn't expect to play. He was on scout team until this week. Wow. So yeah, it, it's a. It's a cool story, but um, we'll finish up, obviously, with the number one team. we got 54 seconds left, the Texas Longhorns. Not a whole lot to say. Uh, they beat Rice 48-13. to um, You know, the biggest thing that I'll say is that Tom Herman's teams have not been good as extreme favorites. Sure. And in this game, they looked like a top 10 team going and, you know, doing their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, until the, I mean, Rice didn't score until the fourth quarter when they scored two touchdowns, so... You know, the, the, it looks like 48-13, but it was, I mean, it was a blanking. And, yeah. you know, Sam Ellinger completes 23 of 27 for, and has three touchdowns. I mean, it, it was an easy, easy day for them. And and look, after how demoralizing last week was, that's what you wanted to see. Sure. You wanted to see them stomp out a team that they were much better than. And for Rice, you just didn't want to get absolutely blast. You just wanted to hold them below 60, basically, right? Like, you knew, you know there's a big gap to- between these two teams. And, I mean, Rice didn't play horrendously. They just played, you know, potentially a top 10 team in the country. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> it wasn't, there's not much you can take from this if you're Rice. Um, you know, Tom Stewart didn't look atrocious, like, which is possible no, against no, his no, Texas no. defense. Oh, um, for sure. And the running game was solid. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. I don't know. It was fine. And like like I said, you saw from you you kind of saw from what you expected. You kind of sorry, you kind of expected uh, what you saw from both teams. Yeah, yeah no doubt. So Texas uh, still number one. So just running through it real quick: uh, number twelve UTEP, number eleven UTSA, number ten Texas State, number nine Rice, number eight Texas Tech, number seven North Texas, number six Houston, number five Texas A and M, number four Baylor, number three TCU, number two SMU, number one Texas. And I do have to say. To the person who uh, you know, I, I got in a couple emails about this. Uh-huh. When I when I rank 
when I do this power poll, right, this is not me saying that this is the team that's going to win on a neutral field. That's right. not what this is about, <laughs> okay? I don't think that SMU is pound for, or, or that they're going to go and beat Baylor right. on their home field, or on a neutral field. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> this is, first of all, pound for pound. So it's versus your conference, it's versus your opponents. So you know what? Texas A&M gets a little bit of a downward bump because they play, you know, in the SEC West, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and on the other end, too, uh, this is also based on this season. This is not based on coming into the year. This isn't based on preseason rankings. Mm-hmm. This isn't based on anything like that. This is, hey, what have we seen so far? Who are the hottest so for teams? Example, right. So, for example, you know what? We're big fans of North Texas. We think that they could be really good. We think that they might win their conference. Right now, they're number seven in our poll because their data points right now are only beating Abilene Christian by 20 and also a dominant loss against SMU and a tough loss to Cal. That's all we have so far. Yep. We don't have the counterexample. So uh, so just you know, anybody who looks at this, I want to be very clear about what this is and about what this isn't. And you know what? Again, early in the year, uh, for example, like, like uh, Texas State started number 12. Mm-hmm. That's not because I think that Texas State is the worst team in the state. It's because their first game was a 34-point loss to Texas A&M. Right. That, that's it. It's not more serious than that. So that's all I wanted to say. So we'll get out of here on that. Thank you, everybody, as always, for listening. Uh, thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. I need to get over there because uh, my car just hit 95,000 miles, and I probably need to get it checked out uh, because there's a lot of driving that goes on during college football season. Uh, as always, you can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. Uh, please subscribe if you have not already, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Um, make sure to keep an eye out. Uh, our deadlines are this upcoming week for the basketball magazine, which I'm also trying to remind myself. So, uh, so the basketball magazine will be coming out in short order. We, uh, again, we did a secret mission um, on Wednesday, and we are very excited to be able to share with you what we did there when the time is appropriate. But uh, so make sure and keep an eye out for the basketball magazine, which should be coming in the next month or two. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sucks Football. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF-ish. Uh, Anything else? Uh, I think you hit it all, man. Perfect. Well, thanks again. We will be back to you on Wednesday.